Unmute the old mic. There we go. All right. I, I'm not on the first slide. Are you on the first slide on my uh, sermon while we're uh, just dealing with technical shenanigans here? There we go. Yeah, we'll see if my little guy catches up. So far, he's... Uh, no, there we go. Okay. So as we go through, I'd like you to think about this scenario. Imagine you're gonna, you, you guys are going to be a lot better at imagining this than me because I wasn't actually born. Imagine it's 1954. I'm not exactly sure what was going on in 1954, but let's pretend it's 1954. And imagine you're a pastor. And someone says, Pastor, would you come? We're hanging out before the wedding today. Oh, okay. You know, we'd like you to come hang out with us. Okay. And we're going to this bar. It's called Eddie's. You know, we're going to go eat at this bar. Would you come hang out with us? And then we're going to the wedding afterwards. Like I said, I wasn't born in 1954. I, I was never there. But my guess is the best way to glorify God in that situation was to what? Say no, probably. I would have to imagine I wasn't there. But uh, pastors wouldn't be caught dead in any bar called uh, Eddie's. Back then, I don't think. Okay, let's fast forward to 2018. Pastor Joel, we're having a wedding today. Before we go to the wedding, we're going to go to Applebee's. Which, of course, Applebee's has a whole bar. You want to go? Well, well, maybe in 1954 that answer was a pretty obvious no. I'm pretty sure if someone invited me to go to Applebee's with them before their wedding, and I said no, uh, what do you think they would think? I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I would be just being rude, right? I, I'm pretty sure. I, I mean, I, I think I would be. I think most everybody goes to Applebee's nowadays. So... When we think about glorifying God in every situation, it can be very difficult to know when we're glorifying God and when we're not, correct? Sometimes it is very difficult to see. And we are going to see how the Corinthians had this difficulty in their life as well. So we go on to verse 23. It says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. So we have this principle that we can do things, they're allowed, but maybe they're not useful, maybe they're not helpful. So when should we do one thing and the other? Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. So what we establish here is, when we're trying to think about when to, how to glorify God and what to do in which situation, we want to not seek our own, we want to seek our neighbor. So if I get invited to go to Applebee's before the wedding, and I think, what would be best? What would help my neighbor the boat most? What would be most appreciated by them without compromising some moral standard of mine? What should I do? If I want to think about myself, I could say, well, I don't happen to like Applebee's or whatever, so I'm not going or, or whatever. But if I'm thinking, you know, what would be best for them in that situation? Okay, so this is kind of this general principle we're going by. Now we go back to eating meat in the market. And it says, Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any questions on the ground of conscience. 
So you have this meat, it's sacrificed to idols. What probably ended up happening to it was they sacrificed so much that uh, the priests couldn't eat it all, so they would end up taking it to the market, and meat would be sold in the marketplace. So any regular person could go buy it. So now, it's really pretty obvious, if you were to go to the temple while they were having temple worship, and let's say they served meat there, I'm not exactly sure if they served that time or not, but let's say they did, it's pretty obvious that while they're having their pagan temple worship time, you should not be eating the meat, right? Like, yeah, I'm obviously not worshiping these gods. I don't care about these gods. I don't think they're real gods. So I'm not going to eat this meat. But what do you do when it gets sold in the marketplace? It was the same meat. It got dedicated to the same gods. And what does it say? Eat whatever is sold in the market. Don't ask. Don't ask. So once again, we talked about this a little bit last week. If the connection to the evil thing is not there, then this thing is no longer evil, right? It was evil when it was in the temple and you were going to eat it along with everyone else worshiping, but then suddenly it becomes not evil when you don't know the connection. Then it gets more interesting. For the earth to the Lord and the fullness of thereof. So kind of this principle of, hey, you know, we all things are lawful. We can do what we want. Going to verse 27. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. So now you have the scenario where you go to an unbeliever's house. They're, they're not a Christian. They, they you know... So therefore, they probably, you know, they, they, they'd buy it at the market whether they knew it was offered to idols or not. And so you might be tempted to say, well, I should probably know where this came from. Let me give you an example. There's a pastor, a friend of mine, I, I was in high school, and he was a pastor, and he had this way of doing things. And I, I saw some benefit to it, but but. but I think you went a little overboard, and that's this. We would pick a song at school. So I went to a Christian school. Okay, we're going to sing this song. And he would go through, and he would research who wrote it, what their theological background was, and all this information about them. Okay? So if he could find anything wrong with the person who wrote it or maybe the person that did the lyrics or anything like that, he'd be like, no way, should not sing this song. Wait, wait a sec. If you're saying the song itself, the words and everything are fine, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with this song, you're saying that just because you found out about something about the person who really wrote it, we shouldn't do it. He goes, yes. And I'm going, wait, 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 wait. If I'm deciding whether to eat meat or not, and I don't know where it came from, it's fine. What is he doing, in my opinion, by doing all that research? I'm going back to the market, finding out where in the world they got this meat from, and if I found out it got sacrificed to idols, I'm saying we shouldn't eat it. And in my opinion, that is what he would often do. He would go back and research and try to find something out, and once he found it out, he would figure out that it shouldn't be done. And of course, if you go do that in music and you try to find out every nook and cranny of everything that did something bad on a song or a theological thing you don't agree with, 
you can about take your hymnal and cut it in half, right? I mean, a lot of people that wrote some of the great, even the old hymns that we love so much, you know, theologically were quite different than us in many different ways, though we really enjoy their songs and really glorify God in them. So, if the connection's not there, don't search it out. Don't find it. Don't research it. I want to I couch this a little bit. Okay, I want to couch this a little bit. Sometimes you are in a situation where maybe you don't realize the connection there is there, but everyone else kind of does. And you want to be careful not to do things where in your mind, you know, you're not doing anything wrong, but in everyone else's mind you are, if, if, if that kind of makes sense. You, you want to be aware of what everyone... So if you're doing something, you know, you know, you put a swastika on your arm and you don't realize that that's bad, you might want to know that as you walk down the street, half the people are going to, you know, want to shoot you or something, right? I mean, so, you know, you want to be aware of what society's doing, what's going on. You don't want to be foolish, but you also don't need to go crazy and research every single thing to find out whether it has a good or bad previous connection. So we go on to verse 28. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it. For the sake of the one who informed you, and for the sake of conscience. Suddenly, the person you're eating with says, oh, this was sacrificed to idols. What do you do? Boom. Changes the whole game. You don't eat it. Suddenly, when the meaning comes back, when the connection is there once more, you do not eat it. Verse 29, I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? So he says, I do not mean your conscience, but his. See, when you're eating that meat, you know it doesn't mean anything. You know you're not worshiping that God, right? But the person there may not know, and they may think, because you know it was sacrificed to idols and you're eating it, you're actually insinuating it's okay to worship these foreign gods, even though you know it doesn't mean anything. So why should, we, why should we let someone else's conscience tell us what to do? Why should we let someone else's conscience tell us what to do? So I've said this, I've probably said this five times, I'm going to say it again. So often there's this mantra, we do what God wants and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Sort of true, but if you're doing what God wants, Guess what? What the people you're with think about the thing you're associating with matters. It matters. So in 1954, when you get invited to that bar and you're a pastor, you better say no. You better say no. And I would probably even say, if you would say yes, it was probably morally wrong to do so. Even though we could all argue, well, you could sit in there and not drink anything or, you know, just, just have a Coke. We could all argue that. We could say, well, technically it's not. But the, if the connection's there, and I would probably argue in 1950s it was there so strong that it was morally wrong to go in to that kind of place. For if I, if I partake with them with thankfulness, why I'm in denounced because of that for which I gave thanks. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. 
Give no offense to the Jew or to the Greeks or to the church of God. Sometimes when we say, well, hey, let me just simplify this for you. We're just going to do everything for God's glory. That does not simplify it. It somewhat does. It gives us clarity to a degree. We know that that's the goal. And and knowing the goal helps us with the steps along the way. But those steps along the way can be very, very difficult. The alcohol issue, frankly, has been a big one through my whole life. I'm kind of in this generation where when I was a kid, my... Um, you know, there's a lot of alcohol in my family. I have people on both sides that have big alcohol problems. So my parents were like really, really against it. Never, never did anything with it. We, you know, well, when I say never did anything with it, my, my parents didn't drink, but, you know, we, we would go to the cousins and uh, everybody's uh, Christmas and stuff and they all drank. We just didn't participate. But it was still very, very much like you have nothing to do with it, right? Nothing to do with it. And then I grow up, and especially people even younger than me, it's just weird. Okay, so I got this idea when I was a kid that anybody that had anything to do with alcohol was just like a bad person, and you just like avoided that, right? Just no way, okay? And then especially the people younger than me, uh, the Christian people I know, they'll go, oh, no, I mean, I've never, I've never really been, I've never been a party or anything, but I, I drink sometimes, right? I drink sometimes. And so, well, I, I, I don't drink and I probably never will. I, you know, I'm getting old enough now. It's not, probably not a great time to start. You know, how, do I, how do I understand? So I used to argue this. I used to argue, well, the connection between alcohol and evil is so clear, even though the Bible does not directly forbid it, you should never drink. That, I, I, used to, I would used to argue that pretty strongly. Like, just the, the connection is so clear, you should never, ever do it no matter what. Man, the world is changing. I just have met more and more people that just, you know, have not very much, drink sometimes, and they don't, they don't think of it. This is one story that really kind of changed my thinking on it. It's a friend, friend of mine, and she said, you know, alcohol in my home growing up was every once in a while on the weekend, my dad would have a drink, and that was it. And, and I, I, like, she had fond memories around it. You know, he never got drunk. He never acted out. It was just something that happened. And so she I grew up alcohol having fond memories. So this idea that alcohol always associates something evil to her was like, I mean, she's like, what are you talking about? Like, that's not, you know, how I see it. That's not how I viewed it. In the same way, like music, so some people when they grew up in the 60s and they had a lot of like, you know, rock and roll, what, what, what came with rock and roll? Sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? And then as you grew up and you grew up through that and then suddenly you could no longer hear rock and roll without thinking about all the other things that came with it, right? They came with it, they came with it, they came with it. And you have someone like me who I'd been singing what people might call rock and roll, I, don't, I mean, I guess it is, since I was a little kid at church camp. And all my associations with rock and roll are like praising Jesus at camp. And so then I meet someone who grew up in the 60s or whatever, and they go, oh no, all that kind of music, all that association, all I can think about is the evil that went along with it. And I go, I, I mean, I guess I can cognitively understand why you make all those associations, but I don't have any of them. You know, I don't have any of them. I, I, I know 
you know, Father Abraham from, you know, church camp and to rock and roll music or whatever you want to call it. So this is such a difficult challenge that we have. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of the many that they may be saved. That they may be saved. So I would say, if when we think about some of these issues that are very difficult, we're not sure which direction we're going to go. We have to say to ourselves, what do I need to do that will reach the person I'm thinking about interacting with that I might bring them closer to salvation? So I would argue, I got invited to Applebee's for a wedding. And I knew I might have a chance to witness, that I might have a chance to have a positive impact, that I might have a chance to make a move in their life that might push them closer to Christ. It might be morally wrong for me to say no. For me to say no. I have a chance to connect with them. Now, maybe that's not the case. You know, every, every situation is different. Every situation is different. I don't, you know, I don't know. But if there were like an unsaved person there, and I know I might be able to witness to them, maybe I should say yes. And if I did not take that opportunity, I would be doing something that God would not want me to do. We want to reach people for Christ. We want to see them saved. I'm not saying I would have to do anything morally wrong, but if our motivation is Our motivation is just, well, what will keep me out of trouble? Because as a pastor, you know what would keep me out of trouble? Say no every time. Say no every time. But if I say no, I actually have a chance that maybe I'll get to witness somebody. I think the answer needs to be yes. I remember there was a guy who was a missionary to uh, prostitutes or strippers or whatever it was in, in some place. And some, oh, I, that's so wrong. He should not. I mean, geez, he could fall into such moral sin. We don't, we don't care if the strippers go to heaven. We don't care if the prostitutes go to heaven. Heaven forbid, you know, we, we might uh, be tempted by sin. By golly, maybe we should just uh, let that go. Right? Our mindset needs to be, we need to glorify God. We want to see people come to Christ. And what that looks like in each individual situation can get complicated. It's difficult. It's hard to know. And I think what we need to continue to do is say, I need to continue to evaluate my life and say, am I really glorifying God? Am I really, am I, is my motivation really, really to see people saved? Am I, is that really why I'm doing this? Is that really why I'm not doing this? Is that really why? Because ultimately, these situations that are difficult, we can, I can't tell you even. I, sometimes it is an issue of your heart. If I go to Applebee's because I just want to do something wrong that I shouldn't do and this is an excuse to get away with it, guess what? Am I glorifying God? Am I trying to see Him be lifted up? Of course not. Of course not. But maybe I'd but maybe I am. 
So we need to look at ourselves. We need to say, am I truly glorifying God with my actions? Am I truly making the decisions I make not because I can or not because it's allowed or not because it's disallowed or it fits this or it fits that, but because it is going to make God's kingdom grow. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you so much for your wonders. We thank you so much that you are worthy of our glory. You are worthy of our praise. We can sing glory to you forever. Lord, you are the God of wonders beyond our majesty and having every aspect of our life be around glorifying you is worthwhile. Lord, we love you so much. We pray this in Jesus' name.